You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. We've been looking at the Gospel of Mark. It's been called the story. If you've got a Bible, I would love it if you could turn to Mark chapter 16. This is a book that is based upon the life of Peter. We've looked at the fact that the story began very suddenly with Jesus getting baptized. The story was demonstrated in parable and miracles and healing and the calming of the storm. We realized this was a story for the world. And yet it was a surprising story. The last bit just before we're about to read has been brutal and difficult. Jesus was insulted and dismissed by an illegal trial. He was mocked by soldiers who were there to establish order. He was scorned by guilty leaders and a volatile crowd. He has been crucified and painfully died. When placed in a borrowed tomb, the disciples are distraught, having abandoned their Lord and denied him, their hopes went to the grave along with the body. Then the Sabbath comes. There's no chance to buy, prepare, or travel. An enforced day of rest, reflection, and loud grief. The story has finished. We're now going to pick that up in Mark chapter 16 and verse 1. It says, Jesus has risen. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, They saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Let's pray. Jesus, we do pray that these words that for some of us, we've read many Easter Sundays before, for some of us it may be the first time, we pray that you would speak to us. We pray that you would excite us, challenge us, confront us. We pray that you'd bring alive this story that we've been looking at over these past few weeks. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Resurrection, Easter Sunday. 
This is all God's work. The human beings in this story only witness and wonder at the work of God. They do nothing for it. I love it. I know that there's lots of different Easter traditions. When I grew up as a boy, I grew up in the countryside. We used to have a sunrise service. My dad, I remember, I was thinking about it this morning, used to sort of wake me up. It felt like half past five. And we used to drive up onto Ashdown Forest, and there the minister would read, we'd all sing the old song from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same. And as the sun came up, we would we'd read this passage. And then we, we used to have this saying, he is risen. And there you go, there's at least four Baptists in the church. That's what we used to say, he's risen. And they'd all respond back, he's risen indeed. It's fantastic news, isn't it? I love it because this story, there's a sense of they go there in desperate despair. And what does the angel say? He does not say, he is not here, so he must be risen. What he says is, he is risen, so he is not here. He starts with this incredible, amazing, incredible, fantastic, words cannot describe news. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. The word hallelujah means God be praised. I would like a few hallelujahs in the house today. Great. Every time the slide changes until I get to my next point, I would like a hallelujah. Oh, yeah, now you've got to sit and watch it and be involved as well. You see, the reality is the message of Jesus is the, the message of Easter is this. Not that Jesus is alive, but that Jesus has risen. That's an amazing news, isn't it? We don't just come and celebrate, oh, this Jesus that was alive, that Jesus that lived, that Jesus was a man of history. Easter is all the fact that Jesus has risen. You see, I believe that if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, we wouldn't know about him. I honestly think this is, this is one of the key things. Would we have ever heard about him, this good teacher, a long time ago? But the Bible says he rose from the dead. He is alive. So we don't have to know about him. We can know him. It's not just knowing about some dead figure. It's knowing him personally. This, to me, is the climax of this story. We've been looking, as I say, at the book of Mark. I felt I should just do... do I think I read 15 different books this week, bits of them for this. But this is one I found most helpful. And if you've enjoyed the series, Straight to the Heart, Mark, by Fillmore, I would definitely recommend it. But to me, the end of this story, the climax is the resurrection. We used to sing a hymn. I refer to my Baptist roots. Up from the grave he arose. With a mighty triumph over his foes, he arose a victor from the dark domain. And he lives forever with his saints to raise. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. I think some of you are probably more excited that Anthony Joshua won the boxing last night. I think, come on, this, this is the most exciting thing. John Stott. Right, some are right with me. He was an English Anglican priest. He actually died seven years ago. He said this, we live and die. Christ died and lived. 
It's a total transformation, isn't it? I think sometimes my danger is that I just make Jesus, well, he was a man and he was just like me, but I live and I die. But actually he died and then lived. That is the great news of Easter. Leon Morris. Uh, We're right there now, aren't we? Don't tire on me. Praise be to God. He's an Australian scholar in the New Testament. He says this, the cross is the victory. The resurrection is the triumph. The resurrection is the public display of the victory, the triumph of the crucified one. It's funny, isn't it? How do you explain Good Friday as being good? But Jesus Christ died. Well, actually, because we know the whole story. We know that whenever Jesus talked about his death, he always talked about his resurrection. There was this whole thing. Actually, this is why it's good news, because he rose. They were excited about this in the early church, and therefore we can be excited about it now. Paul, in the book of Romans, says this. Still waiting for... Thanks, Steve. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death hath no master, no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. There's this sense of, wow. Paul is going, isn't this incredible? He died, he rose. I think, oh God, I love this. I do want us to be excited by this. Funny, isn't it? I I had the privilege of growing up in a church, and I know some of you are bringing your kids up in church life. I remember being about a five-year-old boy when I had a bit of white paper, and I could draw a green hill, because it was green. I I don't know why, and color that in, and then draw the three crosses on it. And I guess in some respect, known that story for so long, but feel challenged again today. Am I as excited by his resurrection as I believe the church was then? Paul writes to the church again in 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. This is, this is just remarkable news, isn't it? I don't ever want to tire of this. I never want to lose my sense of enthusiasm and joy. Christ rose. Watchman Nee, he was a Chinese church leader. He said, great, my wife is still with me. Our old history ends with the cross. Our new history begins with the resurrection. All that I did that was wrong was nailed on the cross. That was, that was death. That was... My guilt, my shame, my fear, my disappointments nailed to the cross. But actually now he's risen, I've got a new life to begin. This day, a year ago, Phil and Anna got married. (laughs) Many of us were at the service which was there and there's all excitement. Why? Because it's natural to be excited, isn't it? There's so much they can be good news about. I know Noble and Ivy have had the birth of their child. There's so much to get excited about. Noble, you look like you've recovered from the process well, and it's great to see you here in church. 
actually, do we really get excited about the resurrection? Tim Keller. Okay, that's your last slide. I'm moving points after this one. He says this, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Easter Sunday is saying he rose. That's what it's all about. And therefore, it makes a radical difference on our whole lives. I want us to be really excited because I genuinely believe the Bible teaches that Jesus physically rose from the dead. The grave could not hold him. He burst forth. So actually, I want to change this. This morning is not the finished story. I believe it's the unfinished story. So who does he get involved in that story and what's it like? Well, there's, there's two sort of sets of people that we see, and we're quickly going to look at those. The first was the women. These ladies had been there with Jesus for most things. We can read about it in Mark chapter 15 and verse 14. The women were watching from a distance, among them Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph and of Salome. These women, they had seen Jesus died on a cross. Then we read literally seven verses later in Mark 15 that they saw where he was laid. The women were there and were watching. We now know that they've had to have a 24-hour rest period and then they are coming to anoint the body of Jesus. There's so much rich truth in this. I wish I could spend longer on it. At the start of the week of Passion, as it's known, the week leading before the death and resurrection of Jesus, one woman anointed his feet. They now come to anoint his whole body. This is an act of love and devotion, sacrifice, trying to care. I love it. Even in the midst of this, these women that suddenly want to get caught up in the story, there's this question, there is no door on a tomb. How am I going to get in? I love it because what they could not do, God did for them. I mean, this, this story is packed with truth. And then we read again, don't we, in Mark 16, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe. And suddenly they get this news, don't they? Actually, Jesus has risen. And then they're told in verse 7, go tell his disciples. Why is this so staggering? We would find this shocking today because obviously... We would never have divisions like that. But in those days, if a woman was to give a testimony in a court of law, they didn't believe it. Hang on, Jesus has just risen from the dead, and who does he appear to? It's the women. Well, why? I believe in the story that he invites those that are on the fringe. He invites those that actually society might overlook. You may even be sat here this morning I'm thinking, you know what? Oh, this is great news for others. I don't know if I can ever get involved. What you understand here is that actually Jesus wants to invite you in. Now, I was going to say, hey, particularly if you're a lady, I think that's true. God wants to invite you in the story. But I want to say to anyone, particularly if you discount yourself, 
If you're the one that thinks, oh, you know, no one will believe me. Peter is ending this story through the gospel of Mark by saying God wants to invite you to come and join in. So we've got the women. Who else do we get in the story? There's only, it's disciples and Peter. The disciples and Peter. Peter, as I told you, was the the disciple that had been giving Mark the inside track on this whole book. Peter was the first disciple that was mentioned in the book. If you go back to Mark 1 and 16, it talks about, I'm going to gather these. Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon, his brother Andrew, casting in there. And he said, come follow me. Jesus throws this invitation out to Peter and says, come follow me. And much of the book, we've heard this excitement of Peter and his journey. But if we know anything before we get to this point, we know that Peter blew it. In Mark 14, it says, Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you would disown me three times. And he breaks down and These men around Jesus, look, we'll follow you. Peter even says, I'll follow you to death. Jesus says, before the alarm clock goes tomorrow morning, you will have denied me three times. No, no, you will. Can you believe it? Circumstances change so quickly, so suddenly. Jesus is arrested. Jesus is in this trial. Peter is asked, were you his disciple? No. Yes, you were. No. No one ever knew him. This Messiah that he's been following, he denies. So how does the book end? It ends by saying, get the disciples and Peter. Because those that are weak and that have failed are invited into the story. It's funny, isn't it? I guess if I was trying to get a band together and I've just risen from the dead, you know, oh, well, let's go and get the kings. Let's go and get the centurions. Let's get those that have got a 100 soldiers who can do this, that, or the other. But who gets invited in the story here? Those that have failed. Those that are considered on the edge. This book talks about the unfinished story. I love this, don't you? What, 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 what's the message? What, what, what are the girls got to say to these guys? Meet me in Galilee. Well, why Galilee? Well, if you've read the book, you know that Galilee was the place where they were first called. Galilee was where they first saw the miracles. Galilee was where they, they'd heard the parables. Galilee was where they'd suddenly, faith had got started. And so what Jesus was surely saying to the disciples is, I want to take you out of Jerusalem, which is political and all about authority structures, and I want you to come back to that place with me because I want you to carry on on this journey. I want there to be a sense of excitement. Now, I don't know if you've been looking in in your Bibles. I know in mine, when you look at Mark 16... There's this sudden, very sort of funny passage, isn't there? Because we all say, oh, it's the inspired word of God. And then what's this last little thing saying? Is this God's word or not? 
The earliest manuscripts and some others don't have this. You see, the Gospel of Mark has this sudden, very abrupt ending. If you were here week one, you realized that there was no Christmas to this story. Those wise men, no shepherds. Peter just goes straight in. And there is a sudden and abrupt ending. One commentator said this, it's intolerably clumsy or incredibly subtle. I would like to suggest it's incredibly powerful. In fact, in the Greek, I don't know Greek, but my friend does, so I'm quoting him. They say that the Gospel of Mark ends like this. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid of dot, dot, dot. Literally, in the Greek, they reckon he didn't even finish the sentence. And some people said, this must be impossible. I think I've lost the last page. There's almost this sudden, abrupt ending. I would like to suggest that Mark finishes like this because the emphasis is, this is an unfinished story and it goes over to you. It's an unfinished story. Will you step into it and play your part? Now, if we're really honest, because as Christians, we can, we can struggle with that kind of mess. And the church throughout history has struggled with that kind of mess. And so there's been two possible endings to the Gospel of Mark. One is, and, and it's not in your Bible, but one historically has been this. They quickly reported all of these instructions to those around Peter. After this, Jesus himself sent out those to the east and the west. The sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation are men. Because the church were thinking, we cannot cope with the fact that Peter's not quite finished the book. And because some people thought, well, that doesn't seem right, they then got this ending, which is not in some of the earliest manuscripts, but goes like this. Verse 9, when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he'd cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and being seen with him, they did not believe. Now, if you've read your Bibles, you start realizing, oh, and now they've stuck another bit on, because I've read this story elsewhere. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. Ah, doesn't John have that one? These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe him. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Again, you can say, oh, that's a bit of Matthew, isn't it? And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they would drive out demons. They would speak in new tongues. They would pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. I don't want to get involved in heresy on Easter Sunday. I'm not sure that that was written by Mark. 
I honestly believe that the early church struggled with the mess that had been left by Peter and Mark. And so they stuck together bits of all the other Gospels and thought, we've put that on the end of Mark, and hopefully that is an ending for you. What does that, that passage talk about? We could go through that. I think it talks about the church being called to preach, to heal, to have the power of the Holy Spirit. You could look at the sections and you could see that there. The church is called to a journey of faith. Salvation for the world hangs upon us. We've been given all the help that we need, but we must go and act. I would rather go with the dot, dot, dot of Mark. I would rather that this morning that we understood something of the excitement of Jesus rising from the dead, but then the dot, dot, dot is... Will you get involved in the story? You see, it's always easier, isn't it, to listen to a podcast of somebody else doing something. It's always easier to sit back and eat your popcorn and watch the film of somebody else's story. It's always easier, isn't it, to read a book and to get inspired. Wow, that person sails single-handedly around the world. But I think that this story from the Gospel of, of Mark, the life of Peter... Is calling us to action. It's calling us to say, there's dot, dot, dots, will I step in? And you might think, actually, I can't step in the story. I'm not good enough. Well, in that day, the women weren't good enough. And in that day, Peter wasn't good enough. But actually, Mark says, hey, don't discount yourselves. I want you to step into this story. Tom Wright, he's a... Um, New Testament scholars, retired bishop, he says this, there is a blank at the end of the story and we are invited to fill it ourselves. The beauty of Easter is not that we celebrate the life of Jesus, we celebrate his risen. We don't celebrate it by looking back, we celebrate it by the way we live on Easter Monday. That's the challenge to me, of the Easter story. In 1786, a 25-year-old Englishman who was a shoemaker dared to step into the story of Mark. He dared to believe that actually I could get involved in this story. He was discouraged from doing so. At the time, we were trading with the world. We were sending ships all around the world and trading and doing very well. And he said, if we're sending ships, why don't we take the gospel? He even said to somebody in the church, I think I should go to another country and tell them about Jesus. This is what he was told as a 25-year-old person. Young man, sit down. Sit down. You're an enthusiast. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he'll do it without consulting you or me. And this guy thought, no, I'm not going to be discounted. I'm not going to be put down. I'm going to get involved in the story. He boarded a ship and he went to India. And do you know what? For seven years, he was telling people all about Jesus and not one single person responded. His name is William Carey and he's considered the father of modern missions. But he got involved in the story. In fact, they reckon 30 years later, 30 years, there was half a million believers in India just because this one guy got into the story. 
I was listening to a podcast this week, and they mentioned about um, St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick got himself into the story. They reckon that he, he started 300 churches in Ireland and baptized 100,000 people. Because he thought, I'm not going to settle back. I'm going to get involved in the story. William Carey's motto was this, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. What I would like to challenge you with as I I finish now on Easter Sunday is this, there is great news, he is risen. The grave could not hold him, but what holds us back? What holds us back? Lee Strobel, he's an American author and investigative journalist, said this, Jesus Christ did not come into this world to make bad people good. He came into this world to make dead people live. Jesus Christ rose, and that's what we celebrate. And what he wants to do is he wants to say, come on, guys, girls, I want to invite you into this story. I don't want your life just to feel like I'm just a dead person. I don't want you to feel like you're just sucking in oxygen every day, but you're no longer living. The life of Jesus Christ is for you. Don't discount yourself. Don't let other people discount. As we finish this Gospel of Mark, we're to get involved in the story. As I was praying this morning, I'm going to pray this. There's three words that I'd like you to take from today. Jesus is risen. I'd like you to be excited. I'd like you to be included. And I'd like you to be commissioned. I'd like you to think, actually, I'm really excited that Jesus rose from the dead, and I never want to lose my joy of that. I want you to feel included. Don't feel even today you've come just to keep your husband, wife, partner, friend satisfied. I want you to feel commissioned. Actually, this is what I'm to be a part of. I'm involved in this story too. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you are risen from the dead. We thank you that when the women get there, the grave was empty. We thank you the story was this. He's not here, he's risen. (laughs) Jesus, we love that. It's a miracle. It's amazing. It's it's a world-changing, history-defining moment. And today we come and we get excited about your resurrection. We thank you that you include us. We shouldn't discount ourselves. We shouldn't let other people discount us either. But I pray above all that we'll also feel that we're in the story and what's the chapter you're asking us to write? What is it this year before we celebrate Easter again? next April 2019. What is it that you'd have us do? How will we be different this week, this month, for your glory? Amen.